Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, there's a phrase that has haunted parents and grandparents on every car trip they've taken for years. I'm sure you already know the phrase. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We've heard this, haven't we? Anyone been the perpetrator of this phrase at one point or other in their life? Yes. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much cars as it was kebabs for me. Because right, uh, one of our family traditions when I was a kid is that we would go down to the Corso in Manly and we would get one of those beautiful, juicy kebabs. You know, the, the ones with all the hummus and tabbouleh and all the rest of it. We would, we would get uh, these juicy kebabs down from the Corso. And as a, as a seven-year-old, I'd go down there and we'd, we'd get this kebab and, and you'd just be salivating, waiting to eat this thing. You'd be holding it. Like as a seven-year-old, the thing was kind of half the size you were. And just so excited to have this thing. And so I would want to start peeling open the foil. And then my dad would say, ah, not yet. Not until you get to the beach. Right? And we, we would get to the traffic lights there from the Corso. If you know the Corso well, you know, we're going to travel the Corso. And I'd start to, ah. And he, he would say to us, kids, postpone your gratification. <laughs> it's, it's just seven-year-olds, like total gobbledygook. <laughs> I just want my kebab. Now, and, um, and look, kebabs are one thing, uh, that long wait until we get to the water's edge where we can finally have what it is that we really, really want. Kebabs are one, one thing, but what, are, what about the things in life that are a little trickier? What about the things in life that take a little longer? Because we all have soul kebabs, by the way. Did you know that? A soul kebab, as I define it, is, is that thing that we just can't wait to have. And you have them and I have them. We have these things that we just can't wait to have. For some of us, it might be a job promotion. Or for some of us, it might be a relationship. Or for some of us, it's marriage. Or for some of it's kids. And we carry this thing and we can kind of sense just the joy and, and, and the, the wonder of having this thing. And then, of course, a Christian comes into your life. And it's not happening for you. And they say something as frustrating as to you as it is, you know, your father was saying to you as a seven-year-old. You know, they don't say postpone your gratification. They say Christianese things like, oh, well, the Lord's good. <laughs> oh, he, he works, you know, good for all good in all things for those who love him, right? And, and that is as much gobbledygook to someone who's desperately wanting this thing as it is to a seven-year-old who can... Sniff the Donna coming up through the nostrils, right? <laughs> We've all got soul kebabs. What happens then if, if it doesn't happen? That's the deeper question. What happens when you are longing for this thing and it doesn't quite happen? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you deal with how you feel when you haven't arrived? What if the time at the beach never comes? What if that moment of everything that you've been hoping for hasn't arrived yet? And part of the reason why it gets so much tougher is because we create in and of ourselves our own mini destinations. Have you noticed that we do this? We kind of create our own version of the beach. 
we kind of create a, a certain timeline. And if you're a Christian, you create this. You kind of set up a little bit of an agenda with God. Maybe it's the job. Maybe it's the relationship. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's something else. And so you kind of say to God, oh, well, when, when I get to here, when I get to the beach, when I get to that moment, when I get there, then, then that's when I can have what I want, right? And then we get to this threshold moment where we arrive at our predetermined destination and God hasn't shown up. How do you deal with how you feel when you haven't arrived? And look, it, these mini destinations, they're good and wonderful things, by the way. I'm not saying they're bad things that, that we're hoping for. They're, they're actually mini hopes. And this is not a Christian thing. This is a thing thing. This is a human thing. It, we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. And so it's totally normal and natural and wonderful to create these mini destinations in our life. But at the same time, we've got to recognize that to the extent that we create these destinations is the extent to which we leave ourselves vulnerable. Vulnerable to the very thing that's supposed to sometimes give us hope. Vulnerable to optimism, right? Because isn't it in these moments when you haven't arrived and someone comes up to you and says, oh, well, the Lord is good. Isn't that the moment where you just kind of want to punch him in the face? Let's just be real. I said it. That's how we feel, right? It, it's, it's frustrating. And it's those moments when we've created these mini destinations and it hasn't happened, these mini hopes, the hopes that we've created by our timing and not God's timing, that leaves us vulnerable to hopelessness. And uh, we, I've got an example of how this happened in probably one of the most horrible of ways in a non-Christian way. Um, but it was from the memoirs of a guy called Admiral Stockdale. Um, he was an admiral of the U.S. Navy who was captured in Hanoi during the Vietnam War. Um, he spent five to seven years in a prisoner of war camp. He was repeatedly beaten and tortured and starved. And Stockdale saw this tension of when humans create these mini destinations in their life and it doesn't eventuate. Here's what he writes in his memoir. He says, the optimists were the ones who said, we're going to be out of here by Christmas. See that? Mini destination. And then Christmas would come and go. And then they would say, we're going to be out of here by Easter. Mini destination. And then Easter would come and go. And then it was Thanksgiving. And then it would be Christmas again. And ultimately, they died of a broken heart. How do you deal with how you feel when you haven't arrived? And let's pause for a second here because this, this is where some of you are this morning. And I know this not because I've read some commentator's textbook or that I've been studying aspects of the scriptures. I know because I've spoken to you and I know for some of you, this is where you are this morning. That you're trying to deal with this threshold moment that you've been hoping for the relationship or you've been hoping for kids or you've been hoping for a, a, a healing to the cancer diagnosis or you've been hoping to a shift in the circumstances that you've got in your life, and God hasn't shown up yet. And it hasn't moved. So how do we do all that? I, I guess the good news is you're not the first person to go through this. You're not alone in this. In fact, this has been happening for thousands of years, and the writers of the Scriptures give us glimpses into how to deal with this. In fact, the guy that will give us a glimpse into this this morning was the 
James, the brother of Jesus, which I always say as a side note, irrelevant to this message, if you ever want to know that Christianity is a miraculous religion, that Jesus was the Son of God, the fact that we're about to read words uh, from the brother of Jesus, James, who went to his death declaring (laughs) that his brother was God, that to me is a miracle. I mean, trust me, I've tried to convince my little brother that I'm God many times. Hasn't worked, right? But this guy's writing to to Christians or Jewish Christians, Jews who've become Christians because they've heard the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, not the good news of, oh, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, come receive forgiveness. No, it was the good news that there was a guy who was alive, they killed him and we, we saw him alive again. That was the inherent message of the early church. They've scattered as a result of that And they're wondering how life's going to go and when they're going to arrive. And James says to them words that, if you don't understand this context, can be frustrating and can sound cliched. But he says to them, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. James uses a a great little analogy, right? He talks about the farmer's rains there in Israel. Like, that's his version of preaching of what's happening now in this moment. Like, he didn't use soul kebabs. He just used rain. (laughs) But what he was talking about of this life principle of the... There were two types of rains in what is modern-day Palestine. There are two types of rains. And the autumnal rains were the first rains that would come in order to take very dry ground and to soften it up. And then the latter rains were the rains that came and fattened up all of the, the great harvest that was growing. And so you see two different types of waiting, two different types of situations here in the Scriptures. The first one, some of you need the autumnal rains. Some of you need uh, those rains to come in and to soften ground where nothing's happening. Some of you feel like at the moment that you just need to be patient because nothing's happening in your life. I've tried the deal. I've been waiting for this. I've been, I've been doing all that I can and, and nothing seems to work. Anyone ever felt that way? Some of you are in that space this morning. And then some of you are waiting for the other rains where you have been, you have been sowing seeds so diligently. You've been doing everything you can. You've been doing the work. I've been doing the doodling. I've been doing everything you said. I've been doing the praying. I've been doing the reading. Nothing. And what does James say to us here? <laughs> he says, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Because either way, here's your temptation, right, if you're in that situation. Here's, here's your temptation, and it's yours because it's my temptation, but the temptation is this, do I cut and run? <laughs> Ever felt that? Where it's like, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for you so long in all of this, Lord, that, you know, I'm at that point where I just think, I'm out of here, it's enough. And it's at that threshold moment that James says, be patient, <laughs> And yet in the midst of that, we're thinking, do I just bail on this? Can God be trusted? Will He turn up? Will He deliver? Will I be okay? If, if, if this thing doesn't happen, Lord, will I be all right? And James says, just be wait and be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Here's what patience is. Patience is to hold out without lashing out. 
You notice how we have a lash? That was, um, such a, that was such a big burn back in the 80s at school. Oh, he's a dirty lasher. Anyone ever say that at school? It was just me, was it? Maybe it was the Northern Beaches thing. <laughs> oh, he's a dirty lasher. But we all lash out, right? There's, there's, when, when things aren't going our way, we lash out. Like there, there can be a lashing out of the tongue with our words and our frustration. Um, there can be a physical lashing out, which is never cool. Uh, but what James is really talking about here is, is a lashing out of the will. A lashing out where we say in that moment, you know what, Lord, you can't be trusted in all of this. I don't trust you to do this. You're not going to move in this. And so we have this lashing out of the will, right? It's all internal. People can't see what's going on, but we're all having a lash. At some point, <laughs> at some point we're having a lash. And the, the Greek for this word patience is so fascinating. And it's a wonderful antidote to that type of thinking. The word that James uses for patience is macrothemio. Macrothemio. Macro meaning long arc. And themio is like where we get the word thermal from. And so it means to fire up. In other words, to be patient is to have a, where it takes a, a long arc or a long time in order to fire up. Question, have you ever met a highly flammable human? You know what they're like. Like, oh, for heaven's sake, you know, ev- every word is just a spark, <laughs> right? In, in, in someone who's just soaked in emotional petrol, right? <laughs> I'm judging by the laughter. You know someone like this in your life, right? A patient person is a fire-rated person. A patient person, I can imagine in their soul, has all of that kind of um, building foam, fire retardant sprayed over their soul, you know, like it doesn't matter that if you get a blowtorch up next to them and you annoy them and what do you reckon, what do you reckon, what do you reckon, what do you reckon, like it just burns it, they just don't move, have you met those sorts of people as well? I want to be that sort of person, to be patient is is to have a long arc to fire up, a long arc where it takes you a while, but more specifically, a patient person is someone who is insulated to the blowtorch of life. When your circumstances are not going your way, when the pressure's pushing in, when the circumstances are not shifting, when the flame is being applied to you, you don't blow. Now, the writer of Hebrews puts it a different way. The writer of Hebrews says, Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their Father or parents. No, discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces, and look at the parallel to James here, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. See the parallels in the two passages? See the the agrarian nature of what we're saying of sowing this type of attitude into our behaviors so that at the right time it produces a harvest of peace and of patience. I love that word for endure because you know what endure means in the Greek underneath? It means to literally hyperstand. It means to stand firm. It means to, to just not move. Again, for the long arc of things, it means to hyperstand. And so we get this concept of patience is that there is this long arc to patience that happens where it takes a long time to react to things, to stand. And most importantly in the discipline of it all, the scriptures say just just wait, wait, wait it out, wait it out, stand, stand, 
don't move, don't shift, don't wrestle, don't fight. <laughs> Why? Because there's work in the waiting. You've heard me say this before, there's work in the waiting. To which some of you say, what, does that mean that I just stand there and I just pray under a tree and hope that the Lord will like shift the world around me? No, of course, of course there's going to be internal wrestle and battle and work it all through. But to stand firm means to declare that, Lord, you might be doing something within me. Remember I say that Christians are the sort of people who don't say, why is this happening to me? They say, why is this happening to me? Hear the verbal underline? <laughs> A Christian is not someone who says, why is this happening, Lord, to me? But why is this happening to me? What are you teaching me, Lord? What are you showing me? More importantly, how are you growing me? And you don't get that unless you hyperstand. Make sense? So, here's the thing. When I listen back to my own sermons, and I don't just love the sound of my own voice, I, I, I want to live this sort of stuff out as much as you. Here's what I've discovered from this type of message. Is that, mm, yes, Sam, this is Sam talking to Sam, by the way. Not in a kind of crazy way, just in a good, healthy, theological way. Like, yes, Sam, I, I get that, you know, I understand the ends and I understand the means. It's just that the means are unpleasant. <laughs> if you're on the podcast, it's safe. You know what I mean? It's just between us. Let's be real. That's how you feel. When you're in the middle of this, is that it's just unpleasant. The more I've gone through these sorts of things, and that's a difference too, I guess, is that the difference between a 25-year-old preacher and a 42-year-old preacher, the difference between of having years of being able to journey with you guys, is the difference between being, say, a young adults pastor and a senior pastor is that I've come to realise, not only in my own life, but your lives, is like, how do we deal with situations where things just aren't easily fixable? How do we deal with the situations that we can't fix? And sometimes, the only thing that will fix those situations is patience. And just to stand. You don't feel like it. You don't think God's with you. You think God's left you. You hate the situation. You're swearing at him. You're saying all sorts of things. you just got to go and read Psalm 88. If you're in that space at the moment, you kind of feel guilty about that type of emotion towards God. And see the way that the psalmist says, oh, well, even darkness is my closest friend? It's what I call the daddy's a poo-poo psalm, right? Totally normal and natural because it's in the Bible to feel that level of frustration with the situation. And I've been there. Thankfully, I've also started to emerge out of the other side of some of those situations. And here's, here's the real mystery in all of this. Here is the mystery in all of this. And here's why I want to say to you, if this is you in the middle of this this morning, you have got this. You have got this because God is doing something in this. And characters before you, some of the great characters of the scripture, Paul and James and the prophets and Jesus himself, lived this principle they lived like admiral stockdale who says then at the end of his memoirs that i retained faith 
that we would prevail in the end. He maintained faith that he would prevail in the end. And we see Paul live this out. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. What's he saying there? Are we there yet? 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 (laughs) But Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, says that the good companies and the great leaders live in this duality of hope that in the end they will prevail, but they deal with the brutal reality of their reality. And so we see that exactly in that scripture there, when Paul says, are we there yet? Are we there? We're we're perplexed. We're dealing with reality, but we're not in despair. We're hope that we will prevail. We're persecuted. We're dealing with the reality, but we're not abandoned. We will prevail. We're struck down, literally stoned, brutal reality, but we're not destroyed. We will prevail, right? Paul's using the Stockdale principle, as Collins would say it. And you've got this, and he had this because there is work in the waiting. And here's the work, and it's the revelation for me when I've studied this word, patience. James says there are things that you can cultivate in your life that is patience. And the thing that, that hit me in all of this, and we should have known it because it's in the scriptures, patience is a fruit. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace. What's the next one? Okay, good, all right. Gold star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, at you get extra gold stars down there, rattling off all the fruit, the spirit down here. Fruit, yeah, different message. Fruit, singular. Patience is a fruit, but here's a revelation. Impatience is also a fruit. And there are, this is the choice that you have this morning when you are in these sorts of moments. Which type of fruit will you choose to cultivate? Are you going to cultivate patience or are you going to cultivate impatience? Are you going to cultivate the hyperstanding or through the lashing out of the will and the emotions and all the rest of it, when they start to take over, are you going to cultivate impatience? Both of it is a fruit. Impatience is much of a fruit as patience is. But here's ultimately where we stand this morning when we are in these situations. How do you deal with how you feel when you haven't arrived? And the wrestle for you is, are you going to cut and run or are you going to stay? Are you going to cut and run or are you going to stay? And when I said stay, I mean it is the deep conviction that you are able to say, maybe because of the headspace that you've had this morning, maybe because you're listening into this, and maybe you've heard this, maybe this morning you are not in that space, but you will be one week or one year or 10 years down the track, and when you are in the middle of this are we there yet moment in your life, the seeds of these words of God will come into your mind, and, you, and it will, everything within you is going to want to run, and all you can hear in your head is stay. That The Holy Spirit's just going to say stay. The Holy Spirit's going to say to you, there is work in the waiting. There is work to be done. There is things that I am doing in you. That's the wrestle, isn't it? Can he be trusted? Is he working? Is he doing his thing? (laughs) Can I do a better job myself? (laughs) Is often how we think. (laughs) But all of us, all of us have these soul kebabs (laughs) inside of ourselves, these these hopes and these dreams and ambitions, which are good and beautiful and wonderful things. And what James says to us this morning, as affirmed 
everything my father said to me as a child so that thankfully I don't have to go to therapy for whatever he said to me down in Manly (laughs) because it's true. James says, postpone your gratification. Hold out. Stay. Wait. Hyperstand. God's doing something. Let's pray. Father, I know firsthand that there are people in this room, that there are people watching online, that there are people that will be hearing this during the week where um, everything within them wants to bail or to turn left. Everything within them has just about had enough. Everything within them is becoming less and less convinced that you are at work, Lord. So, Father, I pray uh, for those specifically that are in that space at the moment. That, Holy Spirit, you would grant them not only the eyes to see the stories that have gone before them, but maybe, just maybe, you will grant them people into their lives that are not only going to speak these words of truth, but at the deeper and the more precious level, Lord. I'm praying that there will just be life stories that they will intersect with and encounter. People who have hyper-stood, people who have stood firm through some of the most difficult things in their life and still survived. People who have stood in the midst of hardship and circumstance and have prevailed. People who have stood in the middle of things that they thought were just going to be too much to bear and have come out the other side better, not bitter. They've come out the other side stronger, not weaker. And so, Lord, this is the the deep mystery of Father where we we desperately need your work in our lives. It won't be in an auditorium. Probably not even going to be in a home group. It's going to be in those dark nights of the soul for some of us, awake at 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. Holy Spirit, I want to pray you ahead into those lonely spaces. I want people this morning to receive the comfort that in those darkest hours, Father, you are going to be with them. That there would be people of faith in this auditorium this morning who would crazily go into those moments excitingly because they know it's there that they're going to meet you. Sustain them, encourage them. Hold them up, Father God, I pray. For the rest of us, where life is joyous, it's doing great. Lord, I pray uh, the gravity of these precious words from your word this morning, they would be sown into our souls to germinate just at the right time in which we need them. Holy Spirit, do your work of the way that you will bring that back to Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.